Good morning. Good to see all of you. Good to continue to see uh, more and more of you come back and uh, kind of get reconnected. Uh, I have been facilitating a small group the last year via Zoom on Thursday nights. And uh, yesterday afternoon, we had an opportunity with the guys to have a barbecue and reconnect in person uh, for the first time in over a year. And uh, just a, a wonderful opportunity. Thank you again, uh, Oscar and Ronell, for opening your home and feeding us uh, tri-tip and chicken and stuffed mushrooms and all the fixings, right? Uh, it was great. It was great. And just a reminder to me yesterday of, of that God made us relational people and the importance for us to gather, uh, whether it's in small groups or especially on Sundays, amen, right? That this is important. Uh, we love the worship. We love the teaching of God's word here. Uh, but really underlying it all is, is community, is being the family of God, brothers and sisters in Christ that genuinely love one another, care for one another. And, you know, we know it's a commitment. We know uh, it takes something to get up on a Sunday morning after a busy Saturday or whatever's going on in your life. And so uh, this, this matters. And we do appreciate when you take the time and, and really drive the stake in the ground or, and are committed uh, to be here as an important discipline of your life. So uh, we're going to do something special. Just turn to someone next to you. We used to do this before. Just turn to someone around you, put a smile on your face and say, I'm glad you're here. Just, just, I'm glad you're here, right? And now, now we can't forget our, our online family because, you know, hello to San Diego and all parts of the state and beyond. So let's just turn and collectively on the count of three, we're going to turn to that camera and we're going to say, we're glad you're here too. All right, ready? One, two, three. We're glad you're here too. <laughs> Amen? Okay. And, and again, it matters. It matters because you matter. The church matters. And uh, we, just, we just celebrate the privilege. Mark, thank you for those words, the right privilege privilege. And this is a privilege, and we're going to celebrate it uh, as often and as much as we can moving forward. So last week, we continued through the book of Ephesians, and I'm just going to read the passage that we, we're going to camp on for a bit a longer here. Ephesians Check, check. One, two, three, four. All right. Okay. So we're going to use this one today. All right. So Ephesians 6, 18 to 20 says this. Praying at all times in the Spirit. Three. Check. One, two, three. All right. One, two, three. All right. We're going to do this one. See, if this was like nine months ago, we would have edited this all out, and you at home would never have known that we had technological... Div- it would have been like, they're so perfect every Sunday. Things... Right? I shared this story um, a while ago. 
I used to come in here, it was empty, and I would preach with a camera set up right there, and I would be a one-man show. And I went through an entire sermon, preached it 45 minutes, my heart out. I got down there, and I forgot to plug in the audio cable. And I'm like, oh. So I rested for five minutes, plugged in the audio cable, came right back up here, and did it all again. So um, it happens, amen? Right? This, this is L-I-F-E. It's fine. Oh, are we good to go? All right, and we're good on the live stream and, and everything like that. Okay, awesome. Let's give it up for the tech crew because right now their hearts are racing. Their hearts are racing, and that is, that is the ministry that is only noticed when something goes wrong. Right? Feedback, everyone's head turns. Slide off, everyone's heads turn. Right? All that kind of stuff. So we appreciate them. I know they get here um, just after seven every Sunday and they get it all fired up every Sunday for a year. They've worked diligently and sometimes tech is tech. So um, we'll work through it. Okay, let's go back. Jordan, we'll start at Ephesians 6, 18 to 20. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So in the immediate context, we know that uh, we spent several months looking at the armor of God, right, in the verses preceding this. And now the Apostle Paul has directed our attention to praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Okay, Martin Lloyd-Jones, we saw this last week, says this. Prayer is beyond any question, the highest activity of the human soul. Man is at his greatest and highest when upon his knees he comes face to face with God. And last Sunday, we really looked at uh, really the first word and the first syllable of the first word in this verse, praying, praying. And we saw that in the Greek, it's pros uhome. And that first syllable, pros, means to come before the face of God. Right? And, and I received a wonderful uh, text this week of the impact that is made on, on uh, someone who, who really was impacted by the truth that when we pray, even the word prayer or praying means that we are aware, we are consciously aware that we are coming face to face with the God of the universe. That through faith in Jesus, we have access to the throne of grace. We saw that. And we get to call the God of the universe, Abba. Right? Jesus in his model prayer said, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Right? In the model prayers, even Jesus, the Father, Son says, you know what? You come to Father and there's this reverence. There's this, there's this deep awareness of who he is and who I'm not. And it's, it's, it's absolutely humbling. We saw Isaiah said, woe is me, when he saw the vision of God, right? And, and Jesus said, hallowed be your name. And last 
Sunday, we looked at some of the names of God. Because in our prayer time, sometimes it becomes so mechanical, so routine, maybe even so flippant that we're just shooting up, you know, requests because we're praying. And we never stop to just pause and recognize to whom we are speaking. Hallowed be your name, right? And some of the names we saw last week, Elohim, he's God, creator, mighty and strong. El Shaddai, God almighty, all sufficient one, the Lord God almighty. El Elyon, the most high God. El Olam, the everlasting, eternal God. And then at the end in the new covenant, we get to say Abba, Father, Papa, We get this incredible privilege to have this familial relationship as sons, as daughters of the God of the universe and enter into this intimate time of what we call prayer and call him Abba, Father. And so before we move forward into this verse, I just want us this morning to once again have moment, uh, just moment here and you at home Let's pros uhome, but mostly pros. Let's right now for just a few moments become very aware, very conscious that we have the privilege to come into the presence of the God of the universe that we get to call Abba. So let's just pause and let's come into the presence of Abba. Abba, Jesus says that when we pray, we are to say our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. So Abba, we praise you for who you are, Abba, we we are in awe of the privilege to have access to you through Jesus. And Abba, our prayer collectively here and online is that your kingdom come, your will be done for everyone who is listening or will listen to this message from you through your word. Abba, we love you so much. We're so thankful. Abba, we pray these things in accordance with your will. In the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. And so Ephesians 6, 18 again says this, Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, 
to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. This morning, we're going to focus on that first phrase, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Quick question for you here and you at home. Uh, anyone pray this morning? Okay, just kind of just going to ask a question. Just you know, following questions, you don't need to raise your hand to. Um, did you pray in the spirit? Because according to 6.18, it says, pray at all times in the Spirit. So think back to your prayer time this morning. Was it in the Spirit? And maybe for some, you have a quizzical look because you don't even know what that means. Right? Praying at all times in the Spirit. In the Spirit. What is it? It's challenging, right? Because oftentimes when we... Uh, begin our walk with Jesus, we're taught how to pray, and much of it is the mechanics of prayer and, you know, what to say or maybe where and when, a lot of the uh, the uh, details of how, but I don't know if if we've ever really emphasized in the Spirit, because according to the Apostle Paul, it's pretty important. Praying at all times in the Spirit. So this morning, were, were you praying in the Spirit? Right, And when it says, with all prayer and supplication, that word prayer is kind of the general term for prayer. It's to come to God uh, with, with a with specific aim, and that could refer to different types of prayers, prayers of thanksgiving, confession, praise, adoration, right? So, so prayers in general, that word supplication means to make specific requests known, specific needs, okay? That's supplication. When you supplicate, it's to make a specific need known. But but we're going to focus on praying at all times in the Spirit, right? How do you do that? What what does that mean, right? So so we're just going to kind of walk through. So praying at all times, right? And this, we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, where it says pray without ceasing, right? So, So we might if we're not careful, say praying at all times. Well, that just means I'm supposed to be talking all day, right? Does that mean I'm just supposed to like be talking at God all the time, all the time, giving these rote prayers, these repetitious prayers, praying at all times? How is that even possible? I have to go to work. I have to go to school. I have to eat. How can I pray at all times, right? What, what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, the, we have to understand that word when it says praying at all times, and I've shared this with, with you with you before, that word time in the Bible, there's two Greek words. One word for time is chronos, right? Uh, C-H-R-O-N-O-S, I think there's a slide. Chronos, that's where you get chronology, chronological. That's a quantitative term. Times, minutes, seconds, hours, right? Uh, an example, Matthew 2.7. Then Herod called the Magi secretly, and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared, right? So that's chronos, okay? The other word for time, and which is used in Ephesians 6 18, is kairos. Everyone say kairos. Kairos refers to time, not in minutes and seconds and hours necessarily. The emphasis on kairos is that the time is seen as windows of opportunity, seasons, the best time to do something. Okay, if you're familiar with the verses, pray without, I mean, redeem the time. Really, that means make the most of every opportunity. So, so here's an example. We have service, you know, we start at 10, let's go say 10 to 11.30. So you can look at church from a chronos 
viewpoints say, oh, it's 10 to 11.30. Okay, I just, it's part of my Sunday. It's just chronos. It's an hour and a half, right? That's chronos. Or you can wake up and say, okay, I want a kairos church this morning. There's the chronos element. It's an hour and a half, but I want to make the most of it. Amen? It's an opportunity that we'll never, this particular group here combined with you at home, this will never be together the same. We have visitors, right? This is one opportunity. And that's the way I look at every Sunday in preparation. It's a Kairos Sunday. And I, I'm saying, Lord, let's make the most of this opportunity. Okay? And that changes everything. If you pray, if you, if you say, Lord, prepare my heart to Kairos Church today, everything will be different. You'll be excited. You'll come with purpose. You might have more enthusiasm because now you're looking to be engaged and involved. Amen? If you come with Kronos, he went over again. He went over again. I got to get to lunch because that's my next chronological event on Sunday. See the difference? Kronos is looking at your watch. Kairos is looking around. Making the most of every opportunity. Oh, I want to sing. I want to say hi to someone. I want to be in tune with the word. I want to Kairos this opportunity. Okay? So that's the word in Ephesians 6, 18, where it says, pray in the spirit. In the NIV, it says, pray in the spirit on all occasions. With all kinds of prayers and requests, okay? So the, the real core of understanding 618 is that we are to view prayer throughout the day as looking for occasions and opportunities that come through the Spirit in circumstance in life, at work, at school, at home, in your neighborhood. You are in tune with the Holy Spirit, ready to pray and make the most of that one opportunity that he brings your way. Amen? See? Radically different. Because now your day, you, you're walking in the spirit, and now your day, you're in tune. You're in tune. And you might have a conversation with a cashier, and, you know, they end up, for whatever reason, sharing something. And God puts out, pray for her. Pray for him. Right? How was your day at work? And someone's like, oh, man, I've had a miserable. And then right away, it's another, you're, you're prompted to pray. That's praying at all times, on occasions, at the right circumstance, as the Spirit brings these opportunities to you. And sometimes, it may not even be something around, sometimes you may be doing something, and how many of you have ever had the Holy Spirit prompt you to pray for somebody? Just prompt you. And maybe you called that person, and they're like, how did you know? Anyone ever have one of those moments? Or someone called you, and, and they're like, I'm praying for you today. God put you on my heart. And you, anyone ever have someone call you and say, I've been praying for you? And you're like, how, how did you know? That's Kairos, right? I came here in 2000. I was a, a youth pastor over at Community Church, and I developed a, a wonderful relationship uh, with Sean over there. And we would share our lives and pray together. And one day... I was in the uh, youth center doing something, and I was kind of having a tough day. I forget exactly what it is. Sean shows up, bursts into the youth center. He goes, okay, what's going on? 
I'm like, what are you talking about? God put you on my heart. I got in my car and drove over here. What's going on in your life? And I was like, wow. And we, we had a moment of, I shared and, right? That's praying at all times in the spirit. You're walking in the spirit. You're attentive. You're in tune with him to his frequency. <laughs> you're yielded and you're looking for right opportunities to pray. And here's the crazy thing. It might not be after church here. See, prayer isn't limited to the guys up front and the girls up front, the prayer team, right? It's funny because I'll be out somewhere here at church or somewhere, you know, whatever, and someone shares their life, and it's so strange. Like, can we pray? Hey, can I pray for you right now? And you're like, here? Now? I'm like, sure, why not? Let's go to Father together right here, right? It could be at Nordoff track. It could be, let's just pray. Let's, let's go to Father right now. He set up this opportunity. He set up this divine appointment in the parking lot at Nordoff. Let's just pray right now. That's praying at all times in the spirit, right? And so in 1 Thessalonians, it says, pray without ceasing, okay? This is, to, this is again, a command to make prayer a habitual practice. It's our lifestyle. It's not just crisis-driven. It's just who we are, right? Now, here's a great word picture, again, to understand without ceasing. How many of you have ever had like a hacking cough, tickle in your throat, right? Anyone ever have a tickle in your throat and you, as soon as it tickled, you just coughed? Anyone? Like, right? And then it would go away for a little bit, then you get another tickle and you just coughed. And then you kind of describe that experience like, I just can't stop coughing, right? Well, you weren't coughing like 24-7. It was this little tickle and cough, tickle and cough, tickle and cough, but it was so constant and repetitive that you said, oh man, it just seems like I'm, con- I'm coughing without ceasing, right? So when it says pray without ceasing, it's a spiritual tickle. It's the Holy Spirit tickling you spiritually to pray. That's all that is. To pray without ceasing is to be a, a spiritual movement by the Holy Spirit and you reflexively pray, whatever he puts on your heart. That's to pray without ceasing. You're aware, you're in the Spirit, and as soon as this Holy Spirit prompts you, you pray. You pray. It's reflexive. It's just part of who you are, right? The Life Application uh, New Testament commentary says this. Paul did not expect believers to spend all their time on their knees or with their eyes closed when he said they should keep on praying. In fact, he was quite adamant that everyone had work to do. It is possible, however, for believers to have a prayerful attitude at all times. This attitude is built upon acknowledging dependence on God, realizing his presence within, and determining to obey him fully. Then it will be natural to pray frequent, spontaneous, short prayers. It's lifestyle. Okay? It's lifestyle. And so we, we begin to understand Prayer is more than just vain repetition, and it's, it's really part of just who we are as we follow Jesus in the Spirit throughout the day, throughout every day, okay? Uh, there's some things that maybe it'll, it'll click to you. Prayer, it, it's more of an attitude and not just an action, okay? Prayer is kind of relational and not just ritual, okay? And I, and I love this one. I, I read an article years and years ago, and the, the challenge of the question was, are you devoted or do you just do devotions? See the heart? 
right? Some people call their devotion, their, their prayer time devotions. I do my devotions. Well, really, let's ask the question, are you devoted to God or do you just go through the motion of devotions? Right? And so there's a real heart, a real core of, of, our, of our being, of our walk with Jesus that comes out in Ephesians 6.18. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. You see this again in Jude uh, 1. It says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. So we understand praying at all times is really what the Holy Spirit prompts occasions, right? In the Spirit. We've already alluded to the importance of the Holy Spirit in our prayer. Um, but again, this, this phrase, praying in the Spirit, what is that? How can, how can I, you know, how can we get some clarity on that this morning? Well, the, the Bible exposition commentary says this. The Bible formula is that we pray to the Father through the Son and in the Spirit. So this is, this is for everyone. It's not just for a special few. It's not just for the prayer A team, right? When he says Ephesians 6.18, praying at all times in the Spirit, he's speaking to all believers. So as all believers, right, Again, just kind of look back on your journey, if you've been a believer for any length of time. Did you ever learn what it is to pray in the Spirit? What? What is that? Right? Kenneth Wee says this, The Spirit, when yielded to, leads us in our petitions and generates within us the faith necessary to acceptable and answered prayer. The expression praying in the Spirit is also instrumental of means. We pray by means of the Holy Spirit in dependence upon him. Absolutely paradigm shifting for many of you. Because again, and take this the right way, we were taught that I pray. I didn't know I needed the Holy Spirit to pray. I thought it's just a work of, I just, I pray. I choose to pray. I say this. I go at this time. This is where I pray. And many of us have never approached prayer with the sense of, I need the Holy Spirit to even pray. I'm dependent on the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit to pray. That's a radical shift for many of us to say, even my prayer time, I need the Holy Spirit to guide me, empower me to even pray correctly. Versus just, well, yeah, I know. I just pray. I just pray. It's just something I just do. It's simple, right? You just pray. You just shoot up a request to God. Isn't that right? right? Not according to this verse, right? Very important also in the context, when it says praying in the Spirit, he is not speaking about tongues or any special prayer language. Okay, that's not in Ephesians, and that is not what this verse refers to. Okay, when it says praying in the Holy Spirit, what he's talking about is as a believer, okay, how many of you have heard us say we are in Christ, right? You're positionally in Christ. Well, when it says praying in the Holy Spirit, it's the same, let's say, call it the locative sphere. You're praying in positionally in the Spirit, okay? So it's not tongues and it's not any special language. It's the atmosphere or where you're praying from, which is the Holy Spirit, Romans 8, 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. So we saw in Ephesians, what? You're sealed by the Holy Spirit. 
We saw that you are indwelt, right? And again, I cannot emphasize this enough, and I encourage you to meditate on the radical truth that the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, indwells you. Still knocks my socks off. And I hope it does you. I hope that never gets old. Like, God, the Holy Spirit, indwells you as a believer. Amen? Like, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. I don't know, Shai still rocks my world. I, 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 because this is a supernatural thing we're doing. Amen? It's a supernatural walk. I'd say this over and over. Christianity is not morality. Christianity is not cleaning up your life and being a good moral person and having a list of do's and don'ts. Christianity is a supernatural relationship with the God of the universe empowered by the supernatural Holy Spirit indwelling us. That's what we're about. That's what we're about. And so, you know, it's like, come on. <laughs> you know, I'm like, Robert, I don't know what else to do. It's just. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's a supernatural. It's supernatural. And yet we, we want to put God in a box and we want to make Christianity a bunch of do's and don'ts and listen to this and don't read that and da 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 And we just quench the spirit. We just squash the spirit and we make it all about do's and don'ts and good morality. When it's a supernatural work of God. How many of you this morning, here or at home, how many of you honestly would say, where you are today, because of your faith in Jesus, is a miracle. A miracle. He has so transformed you that honestly, this would be the last place you would be but for the grace of God. Amen? Don't ever lose that joy. Don't ever lose that celebration. It is a miracle. This is a miracle. The fact that I'm on this side of the microphone, ask anyone in my high school, it's a miracle. I know it's a miracle. You're a what? And you do what? Yeah, I know. It's crazy, huh? Right? It's crazy. It is crazy. Okay? So we are to pray in the Spirit. We are indwelt by the Spirit. Now, to give a little bit of help and understanding in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, first you understand now, hopefully, that prayer involves the Holy Spirit. Amen? Okay, you cannot pray independent of the Holy Spirit based on this verse. We are to pray at all times in the Spirit. So there's a need to understand how that works. Okay? Ephesians 5.18, quick review. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be what? Filled with the Spirit. We talked about this. You can go back, look at it. So the Apostle Paul says, okay, all believers are to be filled with the Spirit. We looked at that at the core. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Controlled. That, that's simple. The Holy Spirit is a person. And to be filled with the Spirit, because you're already indwelt. Remember, it's not a, eh, 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 you're already indwelt. A filling to be filled, it's in, the, in that verse, be ye being filled. It's a constant. We are to be constantly under the control of the Holy Spirit. That's all that is. When it says, you know, the illustration, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. He's talking about control and influence. So a DUI. That's what he's saying, right? You drink enough alcohol, eventually the alcohol influences you, controls you, you liquid courage, all that stuff, right? That's the alcohol. 
controlling you, influence you. He's saying, hey, rather than alcohol, let the Holy Spirit so fill you that you are just spirit influenced and controlled. Amen? That's what he's talking about. It is out of that filling, constant, that you now enter prayer. That you enter prayer. That's how they're connected. Uh, Jordan, let's look at the one by Wayne Barber. It says this. How do I live wisely in a dark, hostile world? I am constantly saying to the Lord, yes, Lord, whatever it is. By saying yes to him, I am saying no to my flesh. I am being controlled moment by moment by moment. I am constantly aware of his presence in my life moment by moment by moment. Practicing the presence of Christ as I am willing to yield to whatever his will is in my life. Great description of being spirit-filled. Yield. Controlled under his influence. So just a quick application here. Think about, even this morning, think about the last seven days. Who was in control? You or the spirit? What, what, who was the primary driver, influencer in your life? You or the Holy Spirit? What drove you? What was, what was your motive? What was getting you going? The flesh or the spirit? Just think about that for a moment. Okay? Galatians 5, we know what, how can you tell if someone is under the influence of the Holy Spirit? Well, Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no, that's the fruit of the Spirit. You want to know if someone's under the influence, is filled with the Holy Spirit? There's your fruit. There's your fruit. It's not something they're really working hard to do. They're yielding. They're surrendered. It's the Holy Spirit manifesting the Holy Spirit fruit. Okay? Now, when you relate that back to Ephesians 6.18, we recognize that how we pray is also a fruit of the Spirit. Because we're to pray in the spirit. So there's this deep need. There's a deep meaning. And maybe for some, it's just today you're going to go, wow, I never knew I needed the Holy Spirit in my prayer life. My Holy Spirit, I mean, my prayer life has been me directed, me empowered, me focused, all directed that way. I never knew I needed the Holy Spirit to even pray. Well, look at Romans 8, 26. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. There's times you come to prayer, and rather than just like jumping into your laundry list, you say, Father, I don't even know what to pray. Would you, through your Holy Spirit, Put it on my heart what you want me to pray for? He knows the deal. He knows the specifics. But we often don't even come in that sense of humility and dependence and let him drive even our prayer time because we got a list and we just need to get it out there as quick as we can. And he says, you know what, in this verse, we don't even know what to pray. How many of us on the front end of prayer just say, Father, I just got to stop and yield this time to you and let you drive this time of prayer. Okay? It's, it's, it's really, really important that, that we understand 
the role of the Holy Spirit in our times of prayer. Because again, 618, praying in the Spirit, praying always in the Spirit. Okay, you can't separate the two. You can't separate the two. The other thing you can't separate, because now we understand praying in the Spirit comes from being filled with the Spirit, which affects my whole life. So here's the thing. The other thing you can't compartmentalize or separate is how you live your life from your time of prayer. See, prayer is one of those things, if we're honest, we can compartmentalize. What do I mean by that? Well, you know, I may be doing some things I know I shouldn't do, and God's probably not happy with, and the Bible would call sin. I know I'm doing those things, but I'm going to go pray. And I'm going to come to God and just like nothing's going wrong and he's going to hear me and he's going to answer my prayers. And we somehow have created this weird compartmentalization from how I live my life to my interaction with Father in times of prayer. You cannot compartmentalize prayer from your overall life. Okay? Here's, here's a verse that kind of helps us to understand this, this connection. Matthew 5, 23 to 24. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Let me put that in 2021 terms. If you come to the well and you have an issue with someone, before you're going to come and worship and sing and do church, go get in your car and make it right with that person. And then come back and worship. You see this? Matthew 5 gives us the priority, the principle from Father. Father says, how you are this way horizontally matters to me this way before you come to me. In fact, I want you to be right this way and then come to me. Go make it right. Go be reconciled. You can't separate, we can't separate how we're living from our time of worship and our time of prayer. You can't compartmentalize that. Okay? And I'm going to give you some lists, a list of verses that really, I hope you get this connection and maybe, again, you you never really realize this, the connection between how we live, and God's hearing our prayers and answering our prayers. Look at these verses. Psalm 66, 18. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Proverbs 28, 9. If anyone turns a deaf ear to my instruction, even their prayers are detestable. Isaiah 59, 2. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. James 4, 3. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. You see in the connection between our life and God hearing and answering prayer? You can't separate the two. He doesn't. He doesn't. We can't just walk in having made all these sinful choices, living a life that doesn't honor him, and walk in and just talk to him as if he doesn't care or doesn't even know. You can't do that, okay? 
Very specific verse here for husbands, but the same principle. First Peter 3, 7 in the NLT. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you, and that's just physical weakness. It's not inferiority at all. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Now, here's the connection. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. You're a married man. How you treat your wife, how you honor your wife is directly related to your prayers being hindered or not. That word hindered means to cut off. The military, it's a military picture, military metaphor. It means to throw obstacles in the way, cut up the road so normal movement is impossible. It means to impede. So God is saying to husbands, hey, honor your wife the way I call you to honor her, because if you don't, your prayers are now hindered to me. You can't compartmentalize. You can't separate the choices you're living, how you're living, the things you're doing, and just show up in Father's throne and start asking and you know as if he doesn't know or doesn't care it doesn't work that way it doesn't work that way right and this is where it's so important right because here's what happens we're to pray in the spirit praying in the spirit comes out of walking and being filled with the spirit right what happens when you and i sin ephesians 4 30 Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. In another version, do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. We're to pray in the Spirit, which comes out of being filled, yielded, controlled by the Spirit. When you and I choose not to and choose to live in sin and do things that the Bible would call sin, what does this, what does this verse say? We grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, that word grieve is powerful because in the Greek, it is a word that means to cause sorrow, distress, despair, despair anguish between two people who are deeply in love. It's a powerful word because it applies to two people in a love relationship. And it's different than anger. Now, if you're a parent, you'll understand this. As a parent, I have five kids, so I'm speaking from my own experience. As a parent, how many of you, how many of you at times, your little angel made a decision that angered you? Anyone? Okay. How many of you as a parent at times, your little angel, angel made a decision that grieved you. How many of you know that there's a big difference? How many of you know that grieving is a core thing? Right? Sure, there's some anger involved and there might be discipline and consequences. But I remember, you know, I wasn't the best kid in in high school and I made some decisions that made my mom mostly really mad. And, and then there was this one thing I did and I'll never forget this because it was the first time something I did grieved her, like caused her deep anguish, sorrow. She was crying. I'd never seen my mom cry because of something I had done. 
and the impact that that was going to potentially have. She was grieved, grieved. And I remember just like, oh my gosh, I grieved my mom. Because we get used to weathering the anger, right? We know the anger, we know the punishment's coming, but when you stop and you understand you're in a love relationship with someone and you grieve them, that's profound. That like rocks you. And so in Ephesians 4.30, it says, you know what? Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. When you and I sin, we grieve the Holy Spirit, the sorrow, anguish, despair. Why? Because he loves you. He wants the best for you. To go down that path is hurtful for you. It's not in your best interest. He loves you so much. And when you do that, you grieve him. And if he's grieved, that's going to impact how you're walking and, you know, who's in control and influence my heart and your heart. And suddenly we still think that we've grieved the Holy Spirit. We're not walking in the Spirit. And yet somehow we believe we can show up and just pray like everything's normal. That's what we really this morning need to take a deep breath and just slow way down. Before we just jump into, well, it's just praying, isn't it? It's just prayer, right? Stephen Cole says this. If your prayers are not effective, your life is not effective in the ultimate sense. Prayer is at the very center of life since it is our link with the living God. Everything else in life hangs, hinges on having an effective prayer life. It comes out of relational. Now, let me explain something to you. He's speaking to believers here. This is not a losing salvation thing. What this is, is we're his sons, we're his children, we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. When we grieve the Holy Spirit, our fellowship, our relationship, our communication is now impacted negatively. Okay? How many of you in your home... Your little angel did something that grieved you, maybe angered you, and until it was reconciled, it affected the dynamic in the house. Anyone? Affected the communication. You didn't really want to talk. It was distance relationally, a little anger, right? It was cold in the house, right? You're still family. You didn't kick them out. They're still your son or daughter. But because there was now this thing, the relationship, the dynamic, was hurt, and it needed to be reconciled. Very important you understand, we're not talking about losing your salvation. What we're talking about is when you and I do something that grieves the Holy Spirit, you can call it my fellowship, my daily walk in relationship with Father is affected until it gets right. Until we make it right. Okay? So that's what we're talking about. Now, now how do you make it right then? How should we make it right? Well, Hebrews 12 says this. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be wary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. You know, I love that word. It says, nor be weary when reproved by him. You know what that word reproved means? Expose. To bring to light, to reveal hidden things, to show to be wrong. So, so it says, you know what? God loves you so much that he wants to expose things in your life. He wants to shine light in the darkest. 
That's how much he loves you. That's, that's a loving father. Bringing things to light. You remember uh, in Revelation 2, the church in Ephesus, he says, hey, church, you know, I get it. You're doing really well. You, you don't like false teachers, but I have this against you. You left your first love. Remember that? What was he doing? He was reproving them. He was exposing something. Outwardly, they look great. But he says, you know what? I got to shine a light on this. You left your first love. That's reproof. Church of Laodicea, they all look good, wealthy. They didn't need anything spiritually. He says, you know what? I got to reprove your church, right? Spiritually, you're naked, blind, wretched. You're lukewarm. What was that? Reproof. He was exposing true spiritual condition. Now, why does he do that? He loves you. He loves you. He loves me. Right? Now, for us, how does he do that? Right? Well, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. How does he do this? The spirit of truth uses God's truth to speak truth to us. He'll, he, Holy Spirit. He'll expose you because he'll line up your life and my life in this issue against the word of God. And he'll say, you know what? I love you so much. I got I to I gotta expose this in your life. There needs to be correction, reproof and correction. So what do you do when that happens? What do you do when, when the Holy Spirit brings reproof? Well, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When God, through the Spirit and through the truth, reproves you, corrects you, shows you sin in your life, you confess it. The word confess biblically means to say the same thing with. It means I don't excuse it. I don't justify it. I don't rationalize it. I don't blame game it. If God calls it sin, I call it sin. That's to confess. I say exactly in what I'm doing in my life. If the Bible calls it sin, then I say, Father, it's sin. I confess. I agree with you. This is sin. That's to confess. When you confess, you're forgiven. Okay? So here's, here's the application, right? I'll give you this quote from Wiest. It says, the constant attitude of the saint towards sin should be one of a contrite heart ever eager to have any sin in the life discovered for him by the Holy Spirit, and ever eager to confess it and put it out of the life by the power of the same Holy Spirit. Isn't that crazy? We're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit loves us so much, he's going to show us areas of our life where we're off course, and then he's going to empower us to get right. Amen? That's what you have at your disposal here. This is, this is what it means to walk in the Spirit. And so the application to this, praying in the Spirit, how does this impact my life and your prayer life? It's like this. So last week, and even this morning, we said, okay, prayer is pros. So before we begin prayer, we just pause. And we're very aware of coming into the presence of God. Now we know that we're to pray in the Spirit. An application of this is, Father, is there anything in my life that is grieving you? 
before I begin and, and continue in this time of prayer, Father, I'm going to yield and I'm going to ask you through the Holy Spirit to bring to my mind anything that is grieving you. And I'm going to confess it and call it what you call it. See, I got to get right with Father if I'm going to pray in the Spirit. Because it, my lifestyle choices, my sin, and everything matters to Him. I want Him to hear. Any, who wants God to hear my your prayers? Well, if you want God to hear, according to that long list we said, we got There's got to be a rightness. We got to be relationally right with Him through confession. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. That's a loaded request. If you ask God through the Spirit to begin to bring to your mind and heart things that give Him, you better be prepared for Him to tell you the truth. Out of love. And what do you do? You confess it. You say, okay. Okay. Father, what's grieving you? Well, you know, that area of unforgiveness. Father, what's grieving you? Well, this area of worry. Father, what's grieving you? Well, in this area, you're not, you just, you're not, you're being straight up disobedient. You're in the flesh. Father, what's grieving you? That is to pray in the spirit. Because now you're allowing the spirit on the front end of prayer to make it right with God. And then you're now, with more clarity, able to hear him lead you through the rest of the prayer time. Right? How many of you, maybe you were a kid, and you did something that strained the relationship in the house. How many of you were so blessed and thankful when things were made right in the house? Anyone? You just knew it. You knew your parents had forgiven you or your brother or sister, and you could get back on with being a family. Anyone remember that? Remember that? Right? You're like, oh, it's good again. It's good again, and there's, ah, we're just good again. Well, when you spend time in the front end of prayer and saying, Father, is there anything that's grieving you, and you confess it, and by faith you receive your forgiveness, what happens to the rest of your prayer time? You're good again. It changes everything. Now you're just like this prayer time becomes this communion and this relational dynamic you have because you're right. You're good. You're not like asking things, wondering if he knows, because the truth is he knows. The Bible says there's nothing hidden from his sight. Amen? So you might as well confess it anyway. You're only fooling yourself. So this this importance, right? Praying at all times in the spirit. We're going to do this right now again. We're going to come before Father, but this time the focus here and at home is we're going to ask Father if there's anything in my life that's grieving you. Father, is there anything I need to confess to you right now and make right? Let's just do that. And then I'll call up uh, the team and we'll lead in and we'll go into communion. So let's go before Abba. Abba, once again, we acknowledge the incredible privilege to come into your presence face-to-face with you through faith in Jesus. 
we've heard today through your word, we are to pray at all times in the spirit. We've heard from your word that we are to be filled with the spirit. And we've also heard from your word that our sinful choices can grieve the Holy Spirit. And that grieving can impact ultimately our whole life and ultimately our prayer life. So Abba, we believe you love us. We know you want what's best for us. You are good all the time. So we submit now. And in accordance with your word, we ask you to show us if there's anything in our life that is grieving you. Not only will we acknowledge it right now, we will confess it. We will say the same thing. If it's sin, we'll call it sin. And by faith, we will turn away from it, receive your forgiveness, and be restored into fellowship with you. So, Father, now, we come before you asking you to reveal, expose what needs to be revealed. First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, Father, by faith in the truth of your word in 1 John 1.9, we have confessed our sin and we receive your forgiveness. Thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your patience. Thank you that you discipline those that you do love. So, Father, we yield these areas where we have fallen short. We recognize our dependence on you and the Holy Spirit to change these areas. Transform us. We need you in every area of life, including prayer. In the name of Jesus, amen. So we prepare for communion. There's another ministry of the Holy Spirit. In John 16, 8, it says, when he comes... He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. What this means is that one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to the non-believing world. And my prayer every Sunday for whoever is up here is that the Holy Spirit will convict. As it says here, sin and righteousness. At a certain point, when you understand Jesus and sin and the importance of the death and resurrection, and you go, I need a savior, I need Jesus. You know who's done that? Who's opened your eyes? The Holy Spirit, amen? That's John 16, 8. You're having a John 16, 8 moment. If you are here or you're listening at home, you're like, oh my gosh, I get it. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
I, I, I get it. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Jesus, I, I love you and I cry out to you as Lord and Savior. That is a John 16, 8 moment. You are having a supernatural moment with the Holy Spirit who has just opened your eyes and understanding to sin and Jesus and your need for him. Amen? And so before we go into communion, I just want to encourage you, if you're here or you're at home and it makes sense and you're like, I get it. I need Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Believe on him. Trust Jesus. Jesus, in the, in the best way I know how, I recognize this morning, I need you. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I trust you, Jesus, to be my Lord and Savior. I believe you died and rose again. I give my life to you. I give my heart to you. If you're having that moment, you know what? That's the Holy Spirit. That's a John 16, 8 supernatural moment. And then what happens? You have a supernatural birth. You are born again into the family of God. Amen? Name written in life, and everything we said from this point previous applies to you. (laughs) You now have the privilege to pray in the Spirit because you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, sealed by the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Because you have born in, been born into the family of God. Amen? So put your faith in Jesus this morning. There are communion cups in the rows in front of you. There's a, one side is bread, one side is juice. They're going to sing a song. And during this song, we're going to allow you just your own time of remembrance. Take communion as you're ready. Bible says, Jesus says, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So take time pray, take communion, and we'll sing this song as you do that.